Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Just when you think you have everything mastered, the world of digital changes. Am I right or am I right? I know I say it all the time, but the speed of digital marketing transformation can be both overwhelming and frustrating. In episode 49 of the show, I am putting a focus on websites. Do they still matter when social media is entering the e-commerce world? More and more people are using social media as search engines, and perhaps your engagement metrics are stronger on social than they are on your website. Coming up in the show, are websites still important? And what is the role of privacy, personalization, and promotion? seven website tactics you can prioritize in 2022. And I speak to Colin Smith, the founder of Weald, a learning and development company in the UK, specializing in helping organizations develop leadership, capability, and culture through learning in a digital world. Now, me and Colin go way back as we're both trainers for Google, and he is a master when it comes to digital transformation and website marketing. In today's column, I'm asking the question, are websites still important? Let's think about some digital data. So in 2021, TikTok did overtake Google as the number one most visited app in the world. But Google still holding on to the second position. And in fact, YouTube is also right up there. The short answer to that question is yes, your website is still very important. While social media gathers ground and is taking perhaps search market share, the fundamental point remains is that when people go to a website, it is an intent-rich moment where preferences are shaped and decisions are made. Now, that's a line from Google. I can't take credit from that. But it is really, really important to consider that an action on a website has huge intent. Whereas on social media, very often we are aimlessly scrolling and just waiting for information that captures our attention. Also, when it comes to websites, we have 200 micro moments a day. And micro moments are bursts of inspiration or research moments lasting around one minute and 20 seconds. And in these moments, we pick up our phone and we go seeking information. I want to know, I want to go, I want to learn, I want to do. So all of these four contextual micro moments are really, really important. And of course, as we all know, search works whereby users input keywords or key phrases into Google's search bar. And then Google gives us millions of results. And by and large, we only ever look at the top three or four on page one. It is becoming increasingly difficult to get that page one spot, but there are some things that you do want to think about in 2022. 
in 2020, at the end of 2020, there was a another algorithm update by Google. We know that Google never disclose any details around their algorithmic changes because essentially it's their IP and why would they? But there are consultants and experts who try and guess what has been changing. You might have experienced a fall in traffic in 2021. Some people may have even uh, seen a dramatic fall that is continuing into 2022. So what you've got to think about is what changes can you make? Is there a massive change in consumer behavior? And technically, of course, you'll need to do an audit. But websites are still very important. Even think about the last website that you visited. When was the last time you went to Google search? What question did you ask Google? And where did you go next? Websites are really important. They are combined very well with apps. And of course, social can be a driver of traffic. So in 2022, when you're developing your digital marketing plan, make sure that your website is still at the center of it. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's consulting segment, I'm sharing seven website tactics that you should prioritize for 2022. The world of website marketing is a challenge from search engine optimization to content creation to promoting your website and then, of course, all the technical aspects. But there are some basics that are still relevant this year. And the first one being mapping the customer journey. Um, when we think about the customer journey online, it is now happening omni-channel. So people are going from different social networks to websites and even cross-device. So from mobile to tablet to desktop, and then perhaps even then into email. So the journey is quite complicated and we have what's called the messy middle where the journey is not linear. But ultimately what we want our customers or in your case, citizens, you want them to get to the website where they can get more detailed information and potentially complete an action. So always the very first exercise that I will complete with a client is mapping that customer journey and understanding where they're coming from. And again, it's it has to be device and channel agnostic and understanding that moment of consumption. What is it that they're actually looking for? And that's where you start. You start with the moment of consumption and then you retrace their steps uh, back to the starting point. And as I said, no matter what device they are using. Really important to Google is optimizing your website for speed because speed matters. Did you know that over 50% of visitors to your site will abandon that site if it takes longer than two seconds to load? And also, did you know that a slow loading website gives users the equivalent feeling of watching a horror movie. So that's not really the kind of feeling that you want to leave your website users with. Device responsive goes without saying that in a mobile first world, websites now should be fully optimized for mobile, tablet, and also desktop. We have been you know, talking about GDPR and privacy legislation for a number of years. And having that cookie consent pop up 
now activated on our sites since last year. Some are arguing is resulting in a drop in traffic. Other commentators would say that is not the reason why your traffic is dropping, but in fact, maybe your conversions are dropping because of that. But now we get to ask, we have to ask people if they uh, opt in to all the cookie settings that they have. And of course, they can reject it and they can opt out, which just means that you can capture less data about the users on your site. Search engine optimization remains paramount. And of course, we have off-page and on-page SEO. On-page SEO relates to the optimizing of the content that is actually visible to the user, and we're optimizing it for Google's search engine result pages. Off-page SEO is more around the technical aspect off your website. And again, that will look at things like uh, speed and also the, the platform and the coding behind that website. Another little trick are backlinks. And backlinks are really powerful to improve your search engine optimization. And that simply means getting a link from another high authority website. And in many cases for government and public sector, those backlinks can come from other agencies or even better come from the media because Google will, uh, Google says that media sites are very trustworthy and so have a high authority score. Landing pages or squeeze pages are really important. And these are pages within your website that have a dedicated focus. They have no distractions. And the aim with landing pages is that you want your citizen to have specific information and to take some sort of an action. It could be completing a form, registering for an event, or watching a video for more than, let's say, 30 seconds. And then driving acquisition. So driving traffic to your website and understanding where that traffic is coming from. Is it mainly coming from social? Is it coming from brand campaigns? Are you doing a lot of traditional advertising? Are you engaged in PR that is getting a lot of media attention that will also drive traffic at particular periods? And then understanding how people are coming to your site and what percentage of that acquisition each element is responsible for. And then a bonus, the analytics. Uh, as number eight, we have to lean into those insights. If we don't understand where our traffic is coming from, the pages that people are engaging most with, or where they're exiting our website, then we really don't understand how to develop the website and the content. So, your website is still important in 2022 and hopefully some of those tactics have helped you plan your strategy ahead. There's been great interest in our social media bootcamp as public sector marketing pros deep dive into the tactics that are working right now on the five core social networks, those being Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and TikTok. So if you want to refresh your skills and even find out what's working right now, why not sign up to one or more or indeed all of our bootcamp masterclasses. If you can't make them live, you can get them on demand by going to publicsectormarketingpros.com. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. 
Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's show, I interview Colin Smith, the founder of Wield, a learning and development company. And I discussed with Colin what is happening in the world of website marketing and has there been any major changes from Google that would explain why some traffic websites are experiencing a dip. I also ask him about privacy and personalization and he gives us great feedback. Colin is a master when it comes to digital marketing. Colin, thank you so much for joining me. When we see each other, usually we see each other in the real world as we're both facilitators for Google. Obviously, mm. the last couple of years, we've seen each other virtually, but it's great to talk to you again. How have you been? Yeah, nice to see you. I've been well, thank you, except for a little spot of COVID, like lots of people. Everyone's got a COVID story, haven't they? I had mine, uh, my bout last week after avoiding it for almost two years but I'm uh, I'm not bad right now. Uh, just a little bit low on energy, but I'm uh, I'm pleased to be through that. And I've been having uh, an unbelievably busy last eighteen months. Just uh, you know, almost weirdly, as a result of all of the disruption that we've had, I've probably been busier than ever before because uh, people still need well, they need to adapt to everything that's going on. Um, it's things are changing almost even faster than they ever were before and uh, and there's actually not that many people around that have their finger on the pulse of what's going on so probably one of the reasons why I've been busy. <laughs> and also I just want to uh, let my listeners and viewers know that the very first training session that I delivered for Google my co-facilitator was Colin and you were ah. brilliant because I was so nervous and I even though I was very well trained and prepared, you still don't know what to expect in the real world. So I want to thank you for being such a, a great co-facilitator that day and having my back. No, thank you very much. It was a real pleasure. <laughs> so let's get on to talking about the changing face of Google and search. And some people have been noting drops and in some cases, sudden drops for on traffic and we know that happens for many many reasons and often you can't blame google maybe it's something that's happening on the technical seo end of your site but yeah. have you any insights and do you think what might be happening because there has been changes in the google and the privacy landscape over the past year year and a half yeah um so so actually it's quite interesting i i've seen there's been lots of changes uh, recently that have been affecting Brands and organisations who are um, who are re rely heavily reliant on the Googles, the Facebooks, uh, etc. Uh, of this world, I've not seen personally that much in some in terms of like sudden traffic drops. But what I am seeing is a lot of um, drop offs in conversion data or events that you track uh, happening, and predominantly, I'm seeing that on the platform side rather than, the, than on the website side. So, um, so for, for example, um, lots of companies that are leveraging Facebook social media paid ads, uh, for example, and some organic aspects as well have been really heavily affected by some big changes that Apple have made to their, uh, to their infrastructure from a privacy perspective that is really throwing out the tracking and the reporting capabilities of Google and uh, and Facebook. So, if I elaborate on that a little bit more, it might it might help. So, 
a few months ago, some of you might have read this, by the way, that are listening in or, or watching in today, um, Apple changed the uh, the way that they were going to uh, um, expect people to, um, uh, to give their permission to being tracked. And uh, the change they made in an update, I think it was iOS 14 was the first time they made this uh, in this update, was that all users of Apple products would um, immediately have to be asked for their permission to track. So before that change, any app would be able to track your usage and um, track how you engage in it, but also track your usage kind of more broadly outside of that environment. When they introduced this change, they forced every app owner, including Google, Facebook, and everybody else, to have to ask them if they gave their permission to being tracked for advertising purposes or uh, or similar. And no surprise, when you ask people to positively choose to opt in, the proportion of people that chose to do that was relatively low. What this means is that for people like Facebook and Google who relied heavily on that data to understand conversions and events, what those consumers were doing were no longer able to track what they were doing, which meant their reporting in their analytics systems, their kind of ad, ad analytics systems suddenly plummeted absolutely plummeted so it might have been that you uh you know were running all sorts of activity across facebook and google at that time and it was implying a certain amount of traffic and a certain amount of conversions and a certain number of people going to your landing page and a certain basket size if you were selling something and suddenly after this change was implemented it absolutely dropped off the face of a cliff and this has got uh, many companies thinking twice about their investment. So many of them have said, well, Facebook's not working for us anymore. Google's not working for us anymore. So um, maybe we're, maybe they're not working anymore. Um, but I think the important message to deliver here is nothing has actually changed in the offering or the audience or the monthly active users in any of those properties that you might have relied on over a long period of time. The only thing that's changed is their ability to understand what's happening with the audience that sees your ads and the kind of onward kind of conversation that goes on. So there are lots of advertisers have looked at their data and gone, ah, we can't afford to invest in this anymore or in this anymore because it's not driving the conversions. Truth is, you're probably driving exactly the same conversions and events that you're used to at a very similar rate. It's just you don't have any evidence of it in the way that, you, uh, that you're used to and you can't get it out of those platforms. Now, uh, I'm talking a lot, Joe, but I'm just gonna add one last thing. So they've all struggled to figure out how to fill in these gaps in information. Um, and uh, many of them have lent heavily on modeling. So they've looked at how can they take what they know for certain and model what is likely to be true and I know many companies have switched to their modeling, but the modeling hasn't become like normalized yet. So it's likely there's going to be some fluctuations in that over a, over a sort of a time period until that kind of relaxes. Um, but my number one thing would be if you are seeing big fluctuations, um, don't panic. Um, there's lots and lots being written about it online that you can go and search uh, search on. Lots of theory, a bit like COVID. Um, so don't be drawn in by the anti-whatevers, right? Um, 
go like look at the evidence and uh, and and stay with it because if you move your money or your investment or your time out of these platforms that have worked for you for a many long for for, for a very long time um uh, you might end up getting the drops that you're seeing right now but for real <laughs> yeah really good advice and i guess the natural reaction is to panic and to draw mm. back and to say we need to change and change fast other changes that are happening apart from that apple ios updating the impact data is that google is talking about moving to a cookie-less world and we know that they're they had intentions for last year it's been pushed back to 2023 and a move into first-party data being more of a priority, but can you just explain in layman's terms, what is the cookie-less world and what is projected to happen? And I'm asking you a lot of uh, big questions today, so just because I know you're able for them, so well done, but I apologize, I'm asking them off you just after you're recovering from COVID. That's all right, don't worry, that's good. Okay, so now a cookie-less world is a bit of a, I understand why it's become a uh, a term people t- I've heard people talk about the cookie apocalypse which I rather like as a kind of a way of thinking about it but a bit like a bit like a certain fizzy drink we're m- really moving to a cookie light world rather than a cookie less world so there's lots of things going on at once so the apple thing which we talked about uh, a little while ago with their move towards kind of more privacy first uh, approach you mentioned the Google cookie deprecation. So what Google are doing is there's really two things going on. So one is um, they're going to stop Chrome, which is the biggest browser in the world. I'm sure you all know, but uh, biggest browser in the world from uh, being able to use uh, land third-party cookies or or, uh, land pixels that that pull um, third-party cookies. And they're going to have their Google marketing platform, which is the main, the biggest ad server on the planet. They're gonna remove support for the use of third party cookies in that system. So what that means is that um, we won't be able to uh, as effectively track individual users um, through third parties. So other companies that we work with in the ecosystem, they have cookies which we might get access to. They won't be able to track uh, and we won't be able to rent them or borrow them or buy them from people and then load them up into our marketing platform and use them to target people. So um, that's going to have a pretty significant impact predominantly on third-party cookies. The last thing I should mention is the one that we've been talking about for some time now, but GDPR and all of the kind of compliance and regulation issues around it. Um, the ICO, um, which is the um, Uh, Information Commission, who are responsible for upholding GDPR, have been investigating ad tech and the technology behind advertising for some time. And they're not really happy with what's come out of it. So what that means is that in a future world, which will be cookie light, if you like, there'll probably be more confusing regulations coming out. And the compliance, how, how we can be compliant will change slightly. Um, some of the parties that we go to today to get access to consumer data, customer data, targeting data will get harder and harder to do and actually will probably get so uncomfortable to do from a compliance perspective uh, that we'll choose not to do it. And Apple will probably release more pr- release more privacy um, uh, products. Google are really doubling down on privacy. It wouldn't surprise me if Facebook um, start to move even further in that direction over the coming months. 
Um, why is all this an issue? Well, if you think about the way that we target everything in advertising and have been doing uh, in digital advertising and have been doing for 25 to 30 years, almost all targeting is based off cookies in some form or other or uh, historical uh, historical data that we've got. And third party cookies is a really large part of that. Uh, third party cookies specifically help us to get better targeting at scale. So across broader audiences. Uh, so losing that is going to have a big impact on, um, on on all sorts. Now, Google and Facebook are releasing lots of workarounds um, and there's lots of ad tech companies that are releasing new stuff all the time. But it's fast changing, fast moving. Nobody really knows how's it, how it's going to net out. They don't really know like. What, what does the future look like? So it's almost impossible to say what a cookie light world uh, or a cookie less world uh, will look like, but it, it will mean that targeting will be much harder. We'll need to be thoughtful about, um, about how we achieve scale while being targeted without going back to the old fashioned sort of TV spray and pray kind of an approach. We need something that's going to be a proxy for all of those. And I guess the most important thing for any organization uh, who are going to be playing in this space to be thinking about at the moment is um, consumer centricity. So how do I acquire as much first party data on my users as I can so that I can be more relevant and meaningful for them, but also use that information to model and understand what other like audiences might look like so that I can be more relevant for them while still being compliant, if that makes sense. And so are we talking about when it comes to first party data, the collation of those email addresses when a prospect or an existing customer has already engaged with your brand, they've you know downloaded a guide or they've attended a, a virtual event. So you have permission to have that data and then you keep the conversation going and then you look at lookalike audiences to, to then try and scale is that what you're advising yeah exactly right and th so there's actually there's an argument and it gets confusing here that you, there's these two ideas of of that type of data zero party data and first party data just to confuse matters so when when you when a consumer explicitly chooses to give you a piece of data and recognizes that you're going to use it in a certain way, that is considered to be zero party data. It's just a, a concept, right? Um, so that might be that you run a survey or as somebody's checking out, you ask them a question. So it happened to me recently. I was buying razor blades from Harry's Razors. Uh, believe it or not, I still, you know, even though I've got the beard, I still need to shave mainly this. Um, and as I was checking out, funnily enough, they asked me if I was bald. Um, which was quite random that they'd asked me. I don't know whether they had some other data, but I thought that was really interesting that they asked that question. I was very happy to give it because I thought that's suddenly going to change the way they offer products to me and it's going to get more relevant. And I'm very happy to do that. I would consider that to be zero party data because I explicitly knew what they were going to do with it and I chose to give it to them. Now, first party data could also include, let's say I just visit your website. I don't log in. I move around and look around a little bit. The interactions that I make on your website, you could consider to be first party data because it's a direct relationship between you and me. Therefore, that could be used to model as well. So the combination of the two is the perfect scenario. The reason first party data is so important is because if I if it's harder for me to go to Google and Facebook and the other providers to get 
their audiences in a targeted way because they're having to be compliant with GDPR. And it's almost impossible for me to go to a third party data provider to get that data. I have to have my own source. Otherwise, I won't be able to model and target people. So what about how the measurement frameworks is going to change? Like, where should we be shifting? Are we more inclined to look at engagement rates in terms of dwell time on our site? Mm. Or are we still looking at, you know, big cumulative numbers like sessions and page views? And do we yeah. have to take omni-channel into account and maybe more about social engagement and, and maybe less about, you know, what's on our site? What are you kind of thinking there? Yeah, well, I, I think the big shift... Um, so the big shift that's driving all of this is the need to be customer centric in our thinking and just building on one of the things you mentioned there when you mentioned omnichannel, um, understanding our consumers and the journeys they take around our category or adjacent categories, mapping that and then having a view on um, where are the moments where we interact or should be interacting or engaging with them to provide them with assistance and with help, right? Uh, and whether that's that they're ready to buy or they're ready to engage or they want to communicate with us or they want to download something from us, knowing when those moments are, but also understanding all of the other moments where it might be relevant for us to support uh, and to touch, uh, to, you know, to touch with them in uh, in some way. Once we know that, we're going to need to go back to basics a little bit and re-ask ourselves, what does a good consumer or customer behavior or action mean to us? So at each of those moments when we engage with them, what do we want them to think, feel, see or do differently as a result of their engagement with us? Um, and th that just asking that question at each of those moments can help us to identify what the right things are for us to be measuring. Yeah. Some of this, I mean, quite often in digital marketing, you have loads of like really good efficiency metrics, CPA, CPM, cost per this and lifetime value that the other. They're all unbelievably valuable, but they don't actually tell you whether people have done the thing that you wanted them to do with your communication or with your engagement. So we need to start there. Did they see my thing and did they see my video and watch all of it or did they watch half of it and what does that mean to me how does that contribute to my bottom line or to the end result that I want in some cases it will be hard for me to get that actual metric or whatever that like combination definitive set of metrics so then we need to go back a level and figure figure out whether we can introduce some sort of models to understand what's going on. So I guess the best way to illustrate that is when you're seeing changes from platforms like I was describing before, um, and you're like, oh my God, suddenly everything's dropped off. We're not getting half as, half as much as we were before. But then you look at your web analytics and it hasn't changed. You can model out the new gap. So you can say, right, I know where I am on this one and where I am on this one at this particular point. I can make a project projection that in six months time, it's likely to be the same ratio. So I can start to make an approximation of what I had before. You can do that yourself, which you can do in an unsophisticated way, or you can go and get someone to help you who, you know, is really good at, at kind of writing those, uh, those models. But also, again, the big platforms have introduced their own modeling in this area. And that modeling's not it's finding its feet as i mentioned earlier but it will only get better the more people are using it 
Um, and that's another way of saying, right, well, if I can't get this exact data point that I need, what's the modeled out version that I can get from a third party to save you the hassle, uh, the hassle of doing so? So on the topic of insights, Google has released Google Analytics 4. Uh, mm. They say it's the new generation of analytics. Like what extra is it going to give us? Gosh. Um, so, well, first thing is they've released it, but it's actually been out for quite a long time. Um, it's just they did that kind of, you know, classic tech thing of they, they let people use it. Um, and then they announced once they were sure it was good, they announced it. Um, the big, biggest shift is it's more user centered than it is property centered. And it includes app and web tracking in one tool. So um, by it's, it's you, you can see this theme here is like customer centricity or user centricity. If you put the user at the center of your thinking, then it changes the way you think about analytics. Um, it changes the way you think about events. So what GA4 enables you to do is to get a better customer journey picture so you can map out those interactions um, and, and it helps you to prepare for that cookie-less future by once you have that, you can build in your kind of more privacy control and tracking options to make sure that you're compliant, et cetera, et cetera. And because of that, the events that you're tracking aren't things like this happened on our website. It is this type of user engaged in this way, which becomes much more consequential, I think, for the kind of shifts that we need to make in our minds in the way that we need to market in the future. But I'm not, I'm no GA, like I'm not a consultant in it. So that's as much as I know and understand. Yeah. And I, I guess, as you said, you know, they've had a cohort testing it before they released it to the broader audience. And, yeah. you know, as more people join, we'll, we'll see the, the full opportunity that exists. But final question, what yeah. are your top three tips for website owners, which are most of us in 2022 to, to maximize our mm. web traffic. And, you know, you've given us lots of tips already, but to, to kind of clarify it into three must do's this year. Yeah. Okay. Three, just three. Yeah. So, um, so I think the first one is something I talked about a lot earlier, which is first party data. So, um, and there's quite a lot to think about with first party data because uh, the moment you say let's acquire it, there's a few like question marks go it might appear in your head. So, um, firstly, you need to think about um, if you're going to start asking people for their data or start tracking their data, you have to be ethically and morally thoughtful about the reason you're capturing it and what, how you're going to use it. Um, because who, like compliance is, of course, really, really important. But let's go a step further and actually be thoughtful about the consumer and how we're going to use their data. Right. So if we go there, then um, if we go down that route, then we need to think, OK, how am I capturing it? What am I capturing? What am I using? But when I ask them explicitly to give me some information, um, what are they getting for giving me it? Like I understood that relationship. They were like, are you bald? Yes, I am. I get that. That's going to be really beneficial to me. But if you start asking me randomly about what car I'm going to buy in the next two years, I'm like, you're just going to sell to me, right? So um, there has to be a value exchange that you need to think about. So uh, when you think about acquiring it, think about what those value exchanges are. What are you going to give that person back for the data that they're going to provide you with. That's part one of first uh, first party data. Part two is where are you going to put that data and how are you going to analyze it 
Um, so you need a place to put it. And the third bit is how are you going to activate it? So how are you going to use it to target your campaigns? So that, that's a lot to think about there. That's number one. Number two is you if you're not in a test and learn mindset, like you have to get into one now. <laughs> Things are changing ever faster and you need to be comfortable with a pace of work that means that you're going to you know, with all these changes that are going on with, you know, changes in reporting, measurement, changes in consumer behavior, you have to be comfortable with the idea that what you know now might not be true in three months time. So we need to be constantly trying new things. But also, as we all work our way through the cookie light world that's coming further down the pipes, um, there's going to, you know, there's, we're going to have to try lots of things to figure out what works for us. And what works for our audience so a test and learn mindset is uh, is absolutely worthwhile you could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours about that uh, and the third and final thing is going back to what i said before it uh, actually measurement is really important um and uh the more and more i work with different organizations and different brands the more i realize that they're very good at measuring their effectiveness at buying stuff um, or at doing stuff, but they're not very good at measuring behavior change in consumers. And I would pause and th that point that I made earlier about like map, you could understand your consumer, map their journey, figure out what your what you want them to do, think, see or feel differently as a result of your communication or your, your product or the page that they viewed or the video that they watched, and then figure out how you can measure that. Once you've got that in place, everything else suddenly becomes a lot easier because then it's clearer, right, I know why I'm capturing data here. Um, I know why I'm producing that video for them. I know why I'm using this platform because I know it's an important part of their uh, of their thought process and you can measure whether you're using it effectively or not. So those would be my three, my three recommendations on that. You are wise when it comes to web and digital marketing, Colin. Um, and I love listening to you full of insights. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. And hopefully we'll get to see each other in person in That's 2022 hope. and co-facilitate somewhere across Europe or the world. Yes, please. That would be lovely. Thanks, Joanne. Pleasure. Amazing. Thank you so much. See you later. Bye-bye. Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. We've come to the end of another episode, but before I go, let me tell you what I have for you this week. If you haven't attended any of our free webinars yet, then go and have a look at some of our previous ones. You can go to publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash webinars. I try and do a free webinar every month. If you've got a topic that you'd like me to cover, do let me know. But the next two coming up are a digital PR strategy for public sector. So how you can amplify your PR efforts online. Also coming up is a webinar on content marketing and how you can create a plan in 30 minutes. So if you attend this webinar, that's exactly what you will have at the end of it, a 12-month outline of a content marketing strategy. As always, thank you so much for sharing the show with people in your network. That really helps me to get the word out. And if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate and appeal to you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, but also to give it a rating. 
maybe even five stars. From me for now, thanks for tuning in and I will see you on episode number 50. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform.